What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans, this one's for you. Put your hands up, This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. Oklahoma and Texas are leaving the Big 12 to the SEC. It's supposed to be a done deal as early as next week. But when will it actually happen and what all things matter in it? And how does this impact the Pac-12? Should the Pac-12 be expanding or not? Nick Rolovich, head coach at Washington State, won't be at Pac-12 Media Day because he refuses to get vaccinated. We'll talk about that. Could that cost him his job? His running back, Max Borgie, said that all of his name, image, and likeness money from Cameo will be going to his offensive line and a recruiting update from across the conference. Some of them are going good. Some of them are going bad. And you guys can send in your questions that you want us to ask the coaches for Pac-12 Media Day. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. And this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Ralph, it's been a while, but we got to ramp things back up on a weekly basis because football season is coming hard and fast. And um, yesterday we got the news about Oklahoma and Texas going to the Pac-12. I'm sorry, going to the Pac-12, leaving the Big 12 and going to the SEC. And I actually had the privilege of interviewing the man who broke the story. So yesterday on my uh, show on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82, I interviewed Brent Brent Zerniman, who is who is a Texas A&M beat writer and an SEC beat writer. He broke the story. And I'll actually, actually, you know what, Ralph? I'm going to put it on this episode because I think that it was worthwhile for, for people to hear. 
So here is that interview right now. Brent, thanks for coming on the show. You bet, George. I appreciate you having me on. We are, uh, we like to carpool on these SEC road trips, so we're out on Interstate 20 right now, cutting through the darkness. Uh, man, this is uh, craziness that oh, – all right, so you broke the story that they were uh, flirting with the, with the SEC, but for Texas, this isn't new. They're always flirting with, with, with somebody and looking to, to, to bigger, better deal. But how did Oklahoma get involved in this? Yeah, this was yeah, this was definitely more than a flirtation. This had kind of been going on behind the scenes for for much of this summer, and essentially, it was if you want to say I, I'd normally say two sides, but this is three sides: Texas, Oklahoma, and the SEC. They all had mutual interest with the SEC trying to be the first of that sixteen-team super conference and taking everything into account that's going on right now in college football, NIL, and all those things. So Texas and Oklahoma, if you wanted to, you know, add a couple of traditional football powers, you know, I know Texas hasn't been there over the past decade. Oklahoma certainly has, uh, but Texas has kind of that pedigree and obviously the money. Those would be two natural choices to add. And Texas and Oklahoma have, you know, they just haven't been happy in the Big Twelve. They've been they've been looking around, and suddenly the SEC, with everything as I mentioned going on in college football. I think they all can kind of consider this uh, age of transformation. So why not why not become the first super conference and why not do it with the most powerful nation? So why, I, here's the part that that baffles me is that is that why wasn't Oklahoma happy in the Big Twelve? They are they've won it every <laughs> single year. They've gone to the playoff. Like, why would you want to switch conferences? And for Texas, you can't even win the Big 12. So how are you supposed – I'm confused. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma, I think a big part of it has to do with the the announcement that college football playoff is expanding to a dozen teams. Oklahoma is thinking more in terms of long-term stability, looking decades ahead, not just years ahead. And obviously they've had success. But they want to be a part of a league that's that's more stable, that doesn't always seem like it might be at any point breaking apart. Uh, Texas has the the deep pockets and, and obviously would, would like to be able to see They think that their recruiting will increase immediately, just like it has for Texas A&M, to be able to say they're an SEC team in the state of Texas, which has, what, five of the nation's 13 largest cities. So that's a part of it, too. So, yeah, from Oklahoma's, standpoint obviously they've had success in the big 12 football wise but they're thinking more bigger picture in terms of saying that they want to be a part of the super conference and still with the playoffs at 12 teams instead of four still having a pretty good chance to make the playoffs even if they are competing in the sec yeah and then that begs the question about texas because i remember back in 2010 when these schools plus a couple others were considering moving out to the pac-12 and then that's when the texas got the longhorn network and i'm wondering how does the longhorn network play into the sec's future because i can't imagine that the alabamas and the georgias and the floridas of the world would be willing to let texas make more revenue Okay, I don't have any real insight onto this one, but I will say from the common sense perspective and from a little bit of what I've heard that 
you know, the Longhorn Network has been essentially a boondoggle. I think that's a word for for Texas and for ESPN. And so this would be a way for, as ESPN is also a player in this move, for Texas and ESPN to kind of blend the Longhorn Network into the SEC Network. And essentially, they have everything in place in Austin, but, uh, you know, a lot of great equipment there, but it wouldn't necessarily be the Longhorn Network anymore, but it would be a big player, you know, uh, as far as the SEC network. So I also think this is a way for them to have the net uh, Longhorn network quietly go away in that situation. That's just, uh, that's just my speculation. Really. I haven't, you know, heard, I've heard a little bit on that front, but I do think that you would not have the Longhorn network as a standalone entity anymore. Once Texas joined the SEC. Yeah. And okay. So now let's get to the other side of it, which, and you guys, we are on with Brent Zerneman, Texas A&M and SEC beat writer for the Houston Chronicle, who broke the story about Texas and Oklahoma reaching out to the SEC. So now let's get on the other side because the SEC needs 11 of its 14 teams to okay this. And the team that you are the, the, the beat writer for Texas A&M clearly doesn't want this to happen. Is there any way that they can recruit three other schools to say no? The impression I'm getting early on, you thought, well, maybe, you know, a knee-jerk reaction, especially if they didn't, you know, some of these other programs weren't aware of it. But I do think from the perspective of the SEC as a whole saying, hey, this is the way to really strengthen the conference and get to the 16 teams and be that first super conference. My thought is at some point along the way, Texas A&M is just going to be a lone ranger and then when they realize that and there's not a, just a whole lot the Aggies can do about it, that they too will kind of go along with the deal so they don't kind of look like the big crybaby in the room, I guess is a way to put it. But uh, yes, I, I don't think I don't think you're going to be able to find, if you're A&M, three other schools to say, hey, let's, let's turn this down, you know, because then you would be going against the, the conference's wishes as well. Yeah, and so like th- there's so much, <laughs> there's so many moving parts to, to this, and we'll come back to Texas and Oklahoma in just a second. But okay, there's the Texas A&M who isn't going to be a fan of this uh, because they ran away from the from the Big Twelve to get to the SEC to be above Texas. But now, what happens to the other eight schools um, if Texas and Oklahoma leave? Yeah, I think that you're going to see the likes of Oklahoma State and Baylor, you know, find find bigger conferences to become a part of. Because if you're at eight teams in the Big 12, it would be really hard to that point add eight programs of their own, eight prominent programs or semi-prominent programs to become one of the conferences. I see that happening with what's left on Texas exiting. So I think you would see – you know, say Baylor going to the ACC or something like that. That's one I heard today, for instance. So, yeah, I think it would be a disbanding or it would just become a very minor conference at that point with maybe a couple of the more prominent schools left. I mean, look at Baylor. They just won a men's basketball national title. And here, very shortly, they could be in search of a, a, of a conference to call home. 
Yeah, has there been any conversation with the Pac-12 or even the, the the Big Ten, whereas, like, I know the SEC is looked at as the quote-unquote super conference, but the Big Ten makes more more money and has actually the more passionate uh, fan f- fan bases. Like, if you look at engagement on social media, the 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 uh, TV numbers, the Big Ten, particularly Ohio State, like does – Yeah, so have have they been looking at the Big Ten? Was this even a question for Oklahoma and Texas as well? No, I think it was always about the SEC. And geographically, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense for a program like Texas, you know, way, way down down south in the middle of the, of the nation to, to head up to the Big Ten when essentially, you know, you're flying over – the Midwest to get to those destinations. Whereas with the SEC, you're simply crossing a river to the right, which is the Sabine river going into Louisiana. So from that sense, it, you know, geographically, and really, I think they just kind of consider those better road trips for their fans and things like that as well during the fall and winter. So, yeah, it was, it was always about the SEC and not so much the big 10. I don't, I don't see, for instance, like if this deal with the SEC fell through, I wouldn't see the Big Ten and say a fallback for Oklahoma and Texas, although it would make more sense for Oklahoma to go to the Big Ten as opposed to Texas. Yeah, and the, there was a meeting today of the of the CEOs essentially of the of the schools and of the ten schools in the in the Big Ten. I'm sorry, the Big Twelve, but Oklahoma and Texas didn't show up. What is that very telling or and what was what went on in this meeting? Yeah, it is telling because this is pretty far down the tracks. And I kind of got the impression when I broke the story that they some of the officials involved at Texas and Oklahoma were surprised that it stayed under wraps this long, if that makes sense. So because they are they have pretty far along in the in the negotiations at this point. So. The idea of the Big 12 trying to kind of throw things together and include them, they're already to that point where they're saying they don't necessarily need to be a part of that in, in, uh, in trying to move forward and, and join the SEC. My insider who, who you know, of course, uh, I broke the story through, they, they said, hey, you can expect an announcement. And this was yesterday morning. You can expect an official announcement within two or three weeks. So that insider thought it might happen, not not an announcement that it's, you know, official and here's the date, but that they are going to make the move. And, you know, TV contracts are through 2025 and all those things, but I, I could see where they would expedite it because I saw this, George, 10 years ago, I covered A&M exiting the Big 12 for the SEC, and they were going to stick around for a couple of years in the Big 12, but it was just really awkward. So everyone moved that forward and within a year they were joining the sec and part of that conference yeah so that 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 leads me to the next thing brent is okay so let's say that they announce tomorrow that they're leaving when would they be leaving because like you said their tv contracts which they're obligated to uh through 2025 is there any breaking those like how like what does the timeline look like and why would you if it is 2025 why would you do it right now yeah because everything's negotiable you know they say it's through 2025 
And certainly I would think that the Big 12, the remaining members, would want to stretch this out as long as possible as they try to figure out what they're going to do next. But again, I saw it a decade ago. You know, A&M was tied in with some things, and obviously it makes it different when it's two programs like this as opposed to one uh, that are tied together because then Missouri joined A&M, but that was was a different type of deal. So, yeah, it's – you know, I I could see the process being sped up, and again – even though we're talking about TV rights in 2025 and all those things, I could see they don't, they don't want to be lame ducks and, you know, you're going on the road to these places where no one wants you around. I mean, I saw it with A&M. I saw it firsthand. That year they played football in 2011 with the announcement that they were already going to leave the Big 12 and SEC. That was a weird, you know, just different kind of awkward situation all around. So I could see where they, they shoved this up and try to get it done. <laughs> I even heard some speculation today that it might be as soon as next year, which is what happened with Texas A&M. It was supposed to be two or three years. It happened in one year. This seems like it'd be a little more difficult process, but you know, pay, possibly within two years. Then. Wow. So, can the can the Big Twelve schools, from from what you've heard, do anything to stop them from doing this? Because because I saw that there there were politicians who were going to try to do stuff to block it. And I, I mean, is this going to turn into a political thing now? Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny because I'm a realign realignment veteran based on what I covered a decade ago, and I saw all this play out back then. Baylor was doing everything it could to try and stop Texas A&M from leaving the Big 12 because they felt like the Big 12 would then disband and Baylor would be looking around for a conference. Threatened litigation, uh, got politicians involved, but in the end, none of it really really mattered, and it certainly didn't stop A&M. And A&M right now is trying to, you know, of course, pull out all the stops, and the Big 12 is maybe going to – I mean, I, I just – I think from their perspective, they realize there's probably not just a – whole lot they can do but i will say that a&m is rallying the troops so to speak and getting politicians involved and making phone calls and doing all those things but in the end how much is that going to help them if they, if they are the lone ranger in this yeah um if they do leave and go to the sec there would obviously be 16 teams have you heard any talk about how that would, would, would look? Would it be a realignment of the conferences or would it be in terms of like a East and a West or would they break it down into d- divisions like they do in the NFL with four team d- divisions yeah. or pods like I've seen? I've seen both scenarios. The one I would prefer is Alabama, Alabama, Alabama and Auburn go East and then you add Texas and Oklahoma from the West, you know, which would then be your further furthermost westernmost outpost. Uh, but I could also see where they do the, the pods where, like you mentioned with the four teams, four pods and do it that way. So, I mean, personally, my preference would be those two divisions of, of eight teams, but I think that's something that they haven't quite, you know, whittled down at this point or, or settled on with the idea that first they're going to add, add the two programs and then go from there. But there are several scenarios that you could do in that situation. The one that makes most sense to me, Alabama and Auburn go East.
Yeah, the the uh, conference that I I mean, I'm a huge college football fan, huge college football fan. But the conference that I cheer cheer for the most are my my Oregon Ducks and the Pac-12. So how there do you, you think go. that this uh, how do you think that this ultimately impacts the Pac-12? And are there any teams that may move to that conference? Yeah, it's going to be one of those situations. I think the scramble is going to be on. So you're going to have one 16 team super conference here maybe within just a few weeks and if the announcement, you know, of, of moving forward. So then the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC, you know, they're all going to be scrambling to get to that 16 number. And then suddenly you have what's been talked about now for for not just years, maybe even decades, is the uh, four 16-team super conferences that kind of dominate things at that point with – what, let me do the math here. So that's 64 teams, right? 64 programs? Yep. <laughs> yep. I think that's what you're going to do because those others don't want to be left behind. And once again, the SEC is kind of on the on the forefront of, of making some changes here. Well, and the final final question for you, Brent, is, okay, so you, you, you mentioned the 416 teams to make a 64, like, power. But it, do you think that there's any – is this the first step to – a, a like a autonomy 64 conference to where it's all the conferences are just well all the big boys the power fives if you will the 64 teams are just saying all right look we are going to align and then may, maybe we'll let notre dame and byu join in as well yeah and then then you talk about the further steps are breaking away from the NCAA. And, and kind of being on their own at that point. Because certainly it seems like that's the way things are headed in that direction. But I don't, I don't anticipate that being a, a rapid type deal like I do all of this shaking out within the next few years in terms of these four conferences getting to the 16 teams each. But certainly you could see it headed in that direction where suddenly, you know, d- down the road six, seven, eight years from now <laughs> that, uh, that, they're, that they're no longer affiliated with the NCAA, which seems wild, but certainly that's the direction it also seems to be going as well. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Ralph, he told us essentially that Oklahoma and Texas, that they've been plotting this for at least six months. We've heard up to a year. And one of the things that like that I asked him, I was like, yo, like, why do they want to do this? Like, Oklahoma's getting to the playoffs every year. Texas can't win the Big 12 anyway. So why would you go to the SEC? What, what, What was your reaction when you first heard the news? I feel the same way. It made me wonder what was going on within the within the Big 12 um, that they're so worried about, especially when you're in a 12-team situation uh, and you know that if you, if you even have a solid year that you're going to be um, probably getting two teams into the uh, conversation, if not the actual playoff, every single year. Um, it. It was just very interesting to me that it really had to feel like something that I was definitely not privy to because, you know, it's not like Texas has had a lot of success recently and Oklahoma's had a ton of success. And so for the two of them to do something in conjunction, which could potentially put University of Texas's cash cow at risk in the Longhorn Network, um, I was just confused. It's not something that I would have even thought of uh, to do, but we know that it's not the last time that University of Texas has kind of floated things out there. So then my other reaction was maybe it's another leverage play, but now we're hearing that it's most likely closer to a done deal than a leverage play. Yeah. And that's the thing that's crazy about it is that, is that it's not a leverage play. And so when I asked about the Longhorn Network and other people I've talked to, they were all like, well, the the Longhorn Network is through ESPN. The SEC Network is through ESPN. So it seems logical that when you're when you have to negotiate with yourself, that it'll be a lot easier to find a resolution that makes everybody financially whole because I just couldn't see Oklahoma, I'm sorry, Alabama, Georgia, Florida being willing to let Texas make more money than everybody else the same way that the Big 12 was. And now the Big 12 was caught off guard, off guard by all of this. Like this was going on. Texas A&M wasn't even in in the know. They were held, you know, in, in, in the dark. And I think that this is like when you look at Texas, Texas is for the streets. Like the like like they belong to the streets because they're always looking to bigger, better deal somebody. Always. And this is what they're doing here in this situation. They're trying to bigger, better deal the rest of the Big 12. And they're leaving everybody else out to die, essentially, because they are the bell cows. They are the ones who started the the they're the founding members of the Big 12. 
And now they're leaving everybody else out to to die. And I guess you do only have to look out for for you. But this feels like a lot of broken trust. I suppose. I mean, what what do you owe your conference? Really? I think it's probably more frustrating for several members of the Pac-12 who are sick of the (laughs) Pac-12 than anything else. Like that realization, like, oh, you could just leave? (laughs) Why the hell have we not just left? You know, and I I, so I can see how Pac-12 leaving leaving go where though, right? Yeah, I I understand, and and that was a, a thing that's being brought up by people as we float the. Uh, names of schools that we wouldn't mind getting absorbed into the Pac-12 is the understanding that the pie remains the size of the pie. Therefore, the slices of the pie would probably decrease. And if you're already at a um, net disadvantage over other conferences, why would you take a smaller share to absorb other teams? And that is uh, an interesting question. It's why the SEC would allow for two teams uh, to eat into what they're already doing unless they just think it's going to be good here for a real long time and we got plenty to spare. Yeah, it it was like, all right. So with them going over to the SEC, so here's the, here's the thing. They have a media deal that goes through 2025 and essentially if they left now, they would have to pay 160 million. Well, 70 like 76 million dollars each if they left now and but the but the the issue with that is they've signed their their rights over so even if they leave technically their money from the sec would be due to the big 12 but if you remember when texas a&m left they left in kind of a similar situation they announced it was going to be years down the road But it created such an untenable situation that they just found a a resolution and let them leave in one year instead of two, three years down the road. And that's what I think Oklahoma and Texas are doing. Right. Is that if they leave the Big 12 and they say we're 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 leaving in a couple of years. Right. In 2025, once the media deals are up then everybody else is going to be looking for their next move. So then the conference is actually going to disband because adding SMU, Houston, BYU, and Cincinnati, like people were talking about, that's not a power play to keep you part of the Autonomy 5. Why? What do you mean? No, I'm not not, uh, questioning you. I'm asking the question because – um, okay. Okay. BYU, BYU, I think has enough of a following stadium size, um, history to be included in something like that. Do, would they do it? I, I don't have any idea. Um, Houston, same deal. Uh, uh, um, uh, enrollment stadium size, like, um, pedigree as far as what they've been able to accomplish amongst several different coaches who have used it as a stepping stone. Um, I would say that Boise State is up there. Uh, and Cincinnati, weren't they part of the Big East? They were a Power 5 team for a long time, were they not? I, I, I seem to remember them being part of the Big East. So why couldn't you assemble a few schools like that? Um, you know, forget SMU. Uh, why couldn't you assemble a few schools like that and say, hey, 
Um, this is uh, this is our new product, and uh, we're going to move forward with it or do the other thing, which has been rumored um, unsubstantially for the past eight to ten years, and make a pass at Arizona and Arizona State to join you to replace Oklahoma um, and Texas. Okay. Okay, you you always have to think about this in terms of money, right? And and okay. the TV and the TV rights and the TV revenue. So with okay, so how would you describe Arizona's fan base from a from a one to Ohio State being a ten? Um, and a one would be who would you give a one to? Uh, Stanford. Oh shit. Shots fired within the conference. Here we go. A three, I guess. Okay. Where would you rank Arizona State's? Probably like a six. And but both have the potential to probably jump two to three. Okay. So, because if Arizona State, if you know that if Arizona State had a Rose Bowl run, the fact that they put out like 30,000 graduates a year would unleash some sort of bandwagonery that we've never seen before in the history of college football. Okay. Allegedly. Right. But, but, but where it stands right now, if you were a media company and you were looking at the remnants of the big 12, right. If you're looking at what's, what's left. And I told you that you have, that Texas and Oklahoma are gone. So now you're left with Kansas, Baylor, Kansas State, West Virginia, TCU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Like how, how much are they worth? Like 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 in your TV network. How much are you paying for that? And then you and then does does adding Arizona and Arizona State up the price that you're willing to pay? Um, I think it. I think you could probably keep it at the level that it is now, which is pretty decent comparatively. Yeah, but I'm just saying, would you would you say because if you're looking to expand your conference, you should only be adding people who are going to grow your conference, right? Right. So, so Arizona would, State, Arizona State is on University of Texas's level minus the track record. As far as like overall alumni and um, and, and no. sleeping giant potential, no, Ralph. You hear about every single year. No, Ralph. It, it it isn't because people don't care about football in Arizona the same level that people in Texas care about Arizona. I mean, about football. Like cities shut down in Texas for football. The- I understand that, but you're you're not talking about cities shutting down. You're talking about which channel is the bar television tuned to for the m- metric rating system yeah and and and, and, and old nobody's going to be like that. yeah but that's the point is that it's, is that yeah. if you're going to be I mean, at it it's it, not texas but people are going to watch whatever football's on it it really depends on the way that it's promoted you and i can't have this like super woke attitude about the wnba that we always bring up on rice to or wrong the other podcast is saying that a lot of it just has to do with accessibility and not say that if you give a great time slot to a, to a Cincinnati or a Boise state or an Arizona state, if they were to move over or a Houston, which is like the fifth most populous city in the entire 
country. Uh, okay, hold on. With Phoenix, Cincinnati is a different story. Cincinnati has a very passionate fan base, very passionate. Like they, like they ride or die, live or die with Cincinnati foot, football, especially since Luke Fickle has been there and he's recruited a bunch of. He's made a point to recruit Cincinnati kids, which has then endeared them to the city that much more. Like he's. You don't doing, think you don't think Boise and BYU have Boise, that? I, I think yes, yes. I think that they have very passionate fan 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 bases. I mentioned like SMU, Houston, like. That that adding them to the conference and then Cincinnati, too. I, I don't think that that's going to drive the price of the television. That's true. Up. But at some point, at some point, I know nobody wants to hear this. This is what got Jerry Maguire fired in the beginning of that movie. But at some point, you just got to say, like, God damn, we're rich and just be cool with the amount of money that you have and move forward and no, save but your you conference. can't. You can't because because everybody else. All right. So the the SEC is Why moving is it comparative? to okay because the SEC is taking up so much oxygen in, in in the room. Let's just look at the facts. Right. Starting in twenty twenty four, the SEC is going to be they're 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 leaving CBS. So that game of the week on CBS is gone. All of their games are going to be on. ESPN and ABC, right? Right. So there's no oxygen left for anybody else, really. Like, you get the scraps. Like, they'll put on Pac-12 games super late at night or at 9 a.m. in the morning. But aside from that, all you get is SEC football on those two net networks. So I now, just had a terrible thought. What? I just had a terrible thought. So you're telling me that we, as Pac-12 fans – People who follow this conference, people who have a podcast about this conference, that we've had our eggs in the CBS basket for a minute. And now you're telling me that CBS can actually play two conferences off each other to underbid? Yes. Of, uh, yes. Brutal. So so now so the Big now it's gonna cost the Pac twelve money. No, so it. So, look, if you're looking at the SEC, so they're taking up the ESPN oxygen, which is the biggest thing in college football, right? So now you look at, okay, what are the alternatives? Like, how can you get it, get into this picture? Well, the SEC is consolidating power. And now this makes Greg Sankey one of the most power, probably the most powerful person in all of college sports. And then... This only paves the way for being able to break away from the NCAA and Greg Sankey being the commissioner of college football. Like this is this is where we're headed. So now if you are the other conferences, you have to figure out how to how to match that power or exposure, right? Because 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 you you brought up the at the WNBA example. So how can other conferences get that exposure that they need, right? So the the uh, Big Twelve, which will now only have eight teams, adding those other teams isn't going to help you with your exposure problem because you have to get people to be willing to buy it the way they'll expose it. The Big Ten has Fox, right? 
Fox is going to be playing more games on on FS1. They're going to be adding other places for games to be played, probably some sort of streaming network like ESPN3, all of those sorts of things. So if you're the Pac-12, your best freaking chance is to try to poach some of some other teams from other conferences or some kind of way find some um, deal with either the ACC or the Big 12, pre- I'm sorry, Big 10, preferably the Big 10. So because then that keeps the Rose Bowl tie in, all that sort sort of stuff. The Big 10 partnering with them, maybe, maybe not combining conferences, but partnering with them on some level is the answer for the for the Pac-12. I don't think you have a much better handle on this than I do because I, I don't understand how how we I feel like we're simple minded enough to just assume that if somebody's part of a power conference, like they've been given the stat the same way that like if a kid has an offer from Wofford and from Colorado State you know, you think of them a certain way, but when that University of Miami offer comes in, you're like, oh, he must be legit. Yeah. Right? Like, and I'm not sure that television executives are any smarter. When they just say that Big 12 football is Big 12 football, yeah, they don't have Oklahoma and Texas, so we're not mm-hmm. going to give you a boost No, in, it- in what you, you already did, but we're definitely going to want to put live sports on television because it's literally the only thing keeping networks alive right now um, is the ad sales against live sports, live college football, that you would at least probably be able to repeat what you just did, which you've shown you have. It would keep the conference alive. No, it would. Do, do, do you understand? These deals are going to dry up without Oklahoma and Texas. Those are the only two brands there in college football that anybody cares about. I mean, I get, I don't know. I just don't. There's been all right, unlimited okay, money okay, so far. Okay, all right, all right. I'm, 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 I'm going to give you an example, right? So okay. nobody wanted to buy the Pac-12's media rights the way that Larry Scott was trying to sell them, right? Right. Okay. Right. So, and the Pac-12 clearly has national brands, big, all, all of this. But the problem is they're not winning championships. So people aren't nationally carrying on the same level. So now let's take the SEC. Let's say that they have these huge TV deals that are in place for 2024 going in all the stuff they have now, right? If you take Alabama, LSU and Georgia out, pretend like Oklahoma and Texas are staying in the big 12. You take those three. Oh, sorry. And Florida out. So Florida, Alabama, LSU, and Georgia out, and you put them in the Big 12. And then they're left with Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, who's struggling right right now. How much are they going to be worth? I don't know. There's a chicken and egg component to this because you and I always talked about the fact that, like, People didn't think the Pac-12 was worth anything because there's nobody watching, but there's Correct. nobody watching because Larry Scott can't get the Pac-12 network 
in people's homes. And at some point it behooves you to give your product away to prove that the audience is viable. But that's the problem is that they're going to have nobody to give it away to because they have no names. Like, like, like they'll be able to yeah. go some someplace, but it's going to be limited because the, the ESPN channels are going to be gone. NBC has Notre Dame. Maybe NBC can squeeze in some Pac-12 there too. Um, but CBS is the answer. And you're gonna and you've already had Baylor, Oklahoma State, and other schools reach out to the to the Pac-12 because they know what this is. There's no saving the conference, Ralph. It's done. That definitely makes me nervous about all the times that we listen to Larry Scott say, hey, we own our rights, so we're going to be okay. When the truth is, letting everybody else sign these mega deals and making sure that nobody watches you means the next time that you come up for a deal, you might just disappear? Yes. That's that's literally I what was, the uh, SEC is uh, trying to do, dude. They are they are saying – let me because the uh, Big 12 – Explain that to me. What is the benefit? What is the benefit of the SEC knocking other conferences out of the ability to even compete? Because they don't care. They they don't need them to compete because the national perception is already this is the best conference, right? So now yeah, when you, you still need other you no, you don't. Others. If you continue to add schools, they are not going to stop at 16. They are going to add other schools. If 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 could uh, they get to could they get to 32, like 32 NFL cities? Could yes, they, they get to 32 and then just refuse to schedule out of conference. Yes. Holy shit, bro. This is why wouldn't you? You can take up all the oxygen in the room. So now if you are the SEC, right? Basic oh, all right decency all right. would be my all answer. Right. Human decency, dude. There's no human decency when money is at play. All right, Ralph. So if if you okay, so you just brought up the magic word, NFL, right? Right. So now the NFL just signed a deal. Well, the, their TV contracts over $110 billion. Right. Over the yeah. next 11 years. Yeah, I had, a, I had a look at that today and it is extreme. Yes. So now part of the thing that makes college sports, which does great ratings, all of this stuff, lesser value is that there's different conferences and then they all want that access. So a, so ESPN could say, nah, SEC, you're asking for too much. We'll give all this airtime to the Pac-12. And now you find somewhere else to go. Right. Which which is not going to give you the same uh, avail- availability. Now, if the SEC expands to 32 teams and then now they're going to go negotiate a deal, how does that work? If uh, they're like, we got Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Oregon, USC, um, uh, Clemson, my Miami, Florida State. How much more is that worth now? Oh, man, I feel very much like a child right now, like realizing that, like, oh, all these college football teams were not all about the idea that, like, 
college football is this giant meritocracy with unlimited money involved and you can go and get yours. And then at the end of the day, the best team is the best team. And they love that all of these different universities represent all these different cities. I didn't know that they, that, that, that people within the system would have the idea of literally erasing the, the existence of other schools for the ability to absorb a dollar that they had no intention of sharing with the players until they were forced to. That that doesn't sound fun to me. I don't like that. Dude, this is the world that we live in. I mean, why I why La La Land or some shit? Why would you let the other man exist? Because okay, so if you're the SEC, you like your stranglehold on the comp, on college football already, right? So now adding teams only expands your stranglehold because if you have 20 teams, you could be like, yo, we have the best, best conference. There's nothing else there. All right. Well, I just want to warn some of our SEC friends that you're not going to have the Citadel to play in November. If you do this, I guess you could just pay people to come in. No, it doesn't. And that's the the thing is, it won't matter because they're going to have to go to nine conference games with adding 16 teams. And they're probably going to do those pods where it's like NFL divisions, four teams in each pod. You you play your three teams plus another um, plus another entire pod, which makes seven games. And then you play one game against the team that finished in the same spot as you from another pod. So it gives you nine conference games. I've, I've, I've been through all the logistics of this, bro. And, and now you can say, yo, we play the toughest schedule. It doesn't matter if we lose two or three games. Look who we're playing against. So now that 12 team playoff is going to have six SEC teams. That's what that's what changed. If they go to 12 teams, now half of them are going to be in the SEC because you have you just added two more blue bloods into the conference. So this was a chess move. They vote for 12 teams with the understanding that like, yeah, maybe we'll get four. But actually, behind the scenes, we're trying to figure out a way to get more than half. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Think about this, dude. So so Greg Sankey was on the board, or well, part of that short list with the Notre Dame um, AD, Swarbrick, the Big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowsley, and the Mountain West commissioner on the playoff commission, which is the expansion of 12, 12 teams. So Bob Bowsley, the Big 12 commissioner, had no idea that Greg Sankey was going behind his back to poach his two best teams while he's coming up with the 12 team playoff. Wow. I'm just I'm blown away more so at the fact that it it came out that this was even possible, which people are assuming the leak came from Texas A&M because this probably would have been hidden from them as well so that they didn't get in the way of it uh happening to screw up their Texas exclusivity um that this was hidden for so long that the moment that it actually the news breaks the deal's already done in today's day and age something like that is absolutely incredible yeah dude you are so how are we supposed to feel because I, like I said I feel okay. like you have a handle on this and I'm not sure that I do how are we supposed to feel as Pac-12 fans do we just join in the cannibalism and not give the Big Twelve a chance to even set their feet and regroup, because yes, way dude, that, you no, have. Okay, are you kidding right, because me? I, I'm no, 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 no. Just I'm, I, I'm. I understand that you're treating me like I'm stupid right now, and it's because I, I am. I, I'm literally ignorant to this process. But here's my question, because the thing that I've been seeing on Twitter all day, every day, from some people who I consider to be smart and some people who consider themselves to be a lot smarter than I consider them to be, is that why would the Pac-12 split up its pie if it doesn't have to, if they already have smaller shares? So the odds of bringing somebody on are low. And I understand that George Kliakov said that he would be open to it, but you're telling me that it's actually a necessity because it would be good for the Pac-12 to see the Big 12 die. Okay. Is that what you're saying? Yes. But uh, but I'm also saying that if you are going to bring on another member, it's got to be strategic. It has to be somebody who's going to add that way, that way when, how we, we just talked about, all the other conferences, whether this guy moves here, this guy moves moves out there. So remember back in 2010 when the uh, when the Pac-12 almost got Texas and Oklahoma and uh, Oklahoma State and somebody else. So the reason why they didn't come is because Texas got the Longhorn Network and the Big 12 allowed them to make more money than everybody else. So now 
you know how we were talking about the Pac-12 rights, how they couldn't sell them initially, right? For for what Larry Scott, the way he was trying to do it. If you were adding Texas and Oklahoma right now, do you think that it would be easier to sell the Pac-12? Of course. That's the that's so that's what the Pac-12, if it's going to survive and look for the future, because you're talking okay. about the smaller pie. I'm talking about you're going to be able to negotiate bigger deals immediately. All right. If so you can he, add somebody or people who move the needle. So here's what scares the shit out of me is the Pac-12 teams have to know. They have to see the comparative disadvantage that they've been at financially all this time. That's a lot to put on the shoulders of a guy like George Klievkov to try to keep everybody happy because what's to stop the Big 12s from saying, yeah, all right, cool, we're going to replace you with Oregon and USC? Of course they are going to try to do that, bro. Like, what do you, what do you I mean? I didn't know that. I'm just saying there's got to be more people like me than there is people like you. I, I feel like the casual <laughs> high school football fan <laughs> – has to kind of try to be actually like working through. I know I, I get it. Like it would be funny if I also knew what the hell was going on, but I don't. I'm ha- I'm trying to have you walk me through it in a way that I'll understand it. Hopefully, our listeners aren't all as smart as you, and I'm not just the dumbest man on earth. What are you talking about? This is not because about I, this. It, because I like honestly, these are things that I didn't. I've been reading on it all day, and the stuff that we're talking about makes perfect sense but i never in a million years would consider that the game of musical chairs is actually a game of survival that's not what i was thinking i was like oh well then they'll just go pick up some other teams and continue to be the big 12 that that was how that was the the perspective that i was coming at it from and now i'm saying okay well based on your logic why don't we why doesn't the big 12 try to ruin the pac 12 and you're saying like well absolutely that's what they need to do to in be able to live to see tomorrow and now i'm like well shit we have this podcast (laughs) are we gonna be replacing usc with byu like am i am i i I don't see see here is the okay okay see here is the the advantage well here is i think the 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 thing that makes it more likely that the pac-12 survives this right is that is that the Pac-12 teams won't leave? Is that you have UCLA, Cal, and Arizona? Well, UCLA and Cal are tied together, right? Because they're in the UC system, so they're not gonna. So, like UCLA is not gonna split and Cal leave, right? And right. then you have Cal and Stanford who are tied together too, but not quite as not quite as tightly. So and then you have USC who needs a they need UCLA on some level and they also need Notre Dame, but they need Notre Dame more. So so like it's it's a matter of how do you add them? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like and that so like there are certain people who matter to each other, like Oregon and USC matter to each other. Like one doesn't want to leave without the other one because they're good for each other and Oregon, but more so on Oregon's like Oregon doesn't want to does not want USC to leave unless they're leaving and going where USC is going. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So so if I were the Pac-12, what I would be looking to do is 
So you're obviously not going to poach teams out of the Big Ten because the Big Ten actually has the biggest media deal and makes the most money and has the most passionate fan fan bases. Sorry, SEC. So the ACC, who's locked into this dumbass tier two contract until 2036, that's where you have to find partners. You have to find partners there or in Notre Dame. Like because Notre Dame plays USC and Stanford every year. So now if you can find a way, even if you have to pay Notre Dame more money, but that'll rub USC the wrong way, then that could be an option. Because Notre Dame academically fits right into Pac-12. I mean, it, it's it's a matter of fit too, because, because coming off the pandemic, right? We saw how different states and different parts of the country treated the pandemic. So the Pac-12 schools, particularly the ones in California, are not going to be willing to be beholden to the same logic and science or whatever the hell else that the SEC is using in in their commissioner leading the way or the Big 12 or anybody else. So I think that that's a matter of that that's an important piece as well. Are you allowed to to split up the the actual like TV payments unevenly? Yes. Okay. Are do certain conferences have it that way? Yes. Presently? Yes. Okay. Like, I didn't know like that. that some people are that yes. That per- particularly it was mainly the Big 12 that had it like that. Okay. With with Texas because they were allowed to have their own network it's essentially what jerry jones did with the cowboys with them having their own licensing deal compared to everybody else in the nfl who shares the money okay but is the tv money still split up evenly with texas allowed to generate its own income on that side or now that i'm not 100 percent okay that that that's what i'm confused about because i I'd never heard of that before either. Um, that would be an interesting situation of like conferences treating the schools the way the NBA treats the players that are within their salary cap structure. Yep. That so. I mean that that would be fascinating that you because it, within the Pac-12 with football and basketball being the major re- revenue generators, you might have Oregon State take up five percent and get a five percent share with you know ucla getting like 20 you that that would be the situation that you would be in that may be the only way to make this work because okay so if you're washington state right or oregon state teams that are lower on the financial spectrum and let's say you're getting what 33 million from the conference this year or whatever right okay would you take 60 million while while if you're those schools, while Oregon's getting 75, USC's getting 80, and Notre Dame's getting 82. I, I've never been in that situation. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> okay. I, but- I mean, yeah, I would take more money. Is that That's the correct answer, right? 
I, I don't I don't know, because I mean, I, it, it helps you keep up with the rest of the schools across the nation. Right. But it still right. keeps you in your um, in your situation because prices are going to go up. Right. Coaching prices are going to go up because yeah. there's because there's more money Be, because the SEC is going to then offer their head coaches more. So you're going to have more 10 million. You have 10 million dollar coaches in the SEC. So then to keep your top coaches in the Pac-12, that's how much it's going to cost. Yeah, uh, it's going to be tough to compete against. It's already tough enough to compete against the Big Ten. If, if your Pac-12 school, you know, obviously you saw what happened with Colorado. It's been hard enough to compete against the SEC. You saw what happened with Mike Leach, and now you got to um, you got to worry about it being even, even steeper. Um, the Pac-12 might have to execute an all-out war on the the Big 12 just to be able to survive Correct. and staff their programs. And yes. I, don't, I don't care for this, to be honest. I, I look, Listen, this, this this is the way of the world, Ralph, is that you you have to eat other people the way you're not eating sometimes. Like, I mean, like, <sighs> e- even though that, you know, it, it's like the same, if it comes down to me or you, <laughs> it's definitely me. Would the NCAA be able to enact anything that would keep keep one conference from destabilizing all of college football for the sake of greed? No, they're going to break away from the NCAA. The, the NCAA doesn't even right. control the football championships as it is. So wouldn't it behoove the NCAA to just all of a sudden be like, all right, F you guys. You can officially pay players starting now. Like... It, it, why would the NCAA, un- understanding that they're being put out to pasture, not throw the grenade in the mix? That's just like, hey, we're no longer going to legislate against you guys paying players. Well, so Mark, enjoy, Mark, enjoy Mark that was just talking about that, about potentially um, about that. The, the model is antiquated. Yeah. After he got a new con- contract extension. That's funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I we, we will continue to talk about the Pac-12 plans, though. But I think that they need to find a partner. Otherwise, there, I mean, it, it it's going to be tough. And George Kliakoff, the new commissioner, he's got a doozy of a job on his on his hands now, because you know he thought he was going to have till twenty twenty four to make some big moves with the conference. Well, actually, till probably like twenty twenty three to make big moves within the conference to really state stabilize it for the future. But his tenure is going to be dictated by the next 12 months. Like, like how people view George Kliakoff as a successful commissioner is going to be viewed in the next 12 months with the decisions that he makes. Well, let's hope he has a better understanding of what's going on than I do. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next thing up. Uh, Nick Rolovich, head coach at Washington State, he is now – well, he's not showing up to Pac-12 Media Day because they are requiring all persons to be vaccinated who are going. So – and he put out a statement that said that, you know, that he wasn't going for such reasons, but he didn't say whether he wasn't taking the vaccine, whether it was for a medical reason. But I think that – he probably would have said it's for a medical reason if that were the uh, case. But today would have saved him quite a headache for sure. Yeah. And today we found out that 
Minnesota Vikings offensive line and run game coordinator Rick Dennison got fired because he refused to take the the um the COVID vac vaccine. So he was fired. And now I'm sitting here thinking with the landscape and the passion that people have about this vaccine, that Rolovich's job could be in danger right now. Yes. I'm concerned for Nick Rolovich and his whole staff at this point in time, because the reaction wasn't like, we need further explanation from Nick Rolovich from the fan base and some of the more notable alumni it was fire his ass. We're done. And that shocked me. I did not think that, th- that there would not be like a grace period or an attempt to understand or like a million columns written by people about it. There's a lot of people who are just like, all right, who's our next coach then? And that is not good. If you're Nick Rolovich, it's not good. If you're that staff, um, you got people on that staff. I got people on that staff that it kind of spooked me a little bit. Um, you know, you and I get into this on right or wrong all the time. We are both pro choice, but want people to make the choice that makes the most sense for them. You and I both do not believe that, uh, anybody's American freedom is being taken away by their employer, having a condition of employment employment that is, um, within relation to a, uh, national pandemic where over 600,000 people have died. Um, At least I feel like that's kind of both where our heads are at. And so. Oh, hold on. Another one. Patriots co-offensive line coach Cole Popovich won't be with the team in 2021 in a decision rated related to COVID-19 vaccines and NFL guidelines. So so now that's another one. Oh, man. I think, uh, and and you did see that that uh, Washington State's president is on vacation, but still managed to release a statement saying that he expected employees to follow public health guidelines and get vaccinated. Yes. So that that doesn't bode well for this stance. I did also. I, I got kind of a, a little bit of a a, a laugh. I got a little bit of a laugh out of Fox and friends jumping into Nick Rolovich's mentions. Like you want to come talk about this on our morning program where we keep old and vulnerable people confused. (laughs) Like they, they, they were all about it. Um, And when Fox and friends is in your mentions, you might, um, you might potentially be barking up the wrong tree with your decision-making, but this could be medical. Like you said, if it was medical, he would probably have said something about it to save himself the massive headache that he's, um, going to undergo just from having this stance at this time in that city with that media that slants the way that it does. Um, it just doesn't seem like a, um, a very good idea, but the, the, the conference's requirements are set. And if he's not going to get vaccinated, then, then he, you know, he just can't be there period. Um, but you and I also, I think are in agreement that if you are a um, parent of a recruit, who is being asked to come on an official visit to Pullman, you're going to need some explanation before you even uh, have anything other to say than, than F off to Nick Rolovich. Yep. Yep. And that would not send my, I would not send my kid there, not without a full understanding of what it is he's doing and why. Yep. 
And that thing, and I 100% agree with you, dude. 100% agree with you is that that's where that this is trending is that if, if my kid were going to up there, I'd be like, okay, why? Well, why? I need, I need, just need you to explain it to me. If it's m- m- medical, then, then we're good. But part of the issue is, is that then this puts the other coaches in a position, the ones who didn't want to do it, in a position of, oh wow, if our head coach isn't doing it, m- maybe we shouldn't do it, and that's going to create another issue. Yeah, uh, for the for the coaches, for the fans, he's the highest um, paid public employee outside of Jimmy Lake. Yep. So you know, partially taxpayer subsidized position, uh, government adjacent employee. Um, he's going to be definitely uh, expected to be held to a, a, a higher standard. He's risking his job. He's yeah. risking his job, and it's very possible that he loses his job. And that is wild to think about. And you you wonder if some of these people are going to reverse course when they see what's happening in the NFL. Because simply put, you can't mess with my ability to recruit, and you can't mess with my money. Yep. Um. Yeah, dude. I. That is absolute craziness man where 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 we're at and i don't think that some people really thought that it was going to get to the point of employment but i knew this a long time ago i told nfl players that this was coming i've told my 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 college coaching friends that this was coming some of them did not want to believe it but you know here do you think we'll see blowback do you think we'll see um uh, like a rebellion like people coming out in solidarity they can come out in solidarity all they want want to, but they're going to be sol- solidarily without a job. Because right before the season last year, we saw that uh, the Pac-12 players were putting together a coalition to try to pressure the Pac-12 into addressing a lot of different needs for players and alumni from mental health to compensation to just putting a bunch of really tough topics on the table. Are you telling me that if a group of 30 kids comes to the table and says, we're not getting vaccinated and we want our seat at the table to be able to talk about why that the PAC 12 is just going to be like, all right, bye. I, I do. We, we are past the point of that right, right now. And that they're going to let people walk. Like they, they are, it's going to like, it's going to be a situation to where, to where they're going to be willing to let people walk. And I don't think, I mean, and Cole Beasley even tweeted today, Oh, oh they're going to cut the best slot receiver in the league. You damn right. They will dude. this is the NFL. This is not for long. Like you, at the point in time, you start to think you're bigger than the league is is the point in time where the league passes you by. But, I mean, I guarantee these coaches didn't think that they would get get fired. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I think we're definitely past the point of even having conversation. There's either going to be a season or there's not going to be a season. Um, I just – I don't know, man. It's it, The whole thing is very surprising to me, and I, I – I hope that people remain free to make 
the choice that they want to make with the understanding that freedom doesn't apply to your employment, just your physical ability to be free. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. And, and, and to jump back uh, one topic, Baylor University, who we've talked about as a candidate for the Pac-12, I guess, to pick the bones of the Big 12 clean, um, has released a statement that said, uh, for our state, it is critical to our economy and Texas's overall reputation to maintain Power 5 institutions, reinforcing the Lone Star State's athletic preeminence. Rest assured, we, along with the Board of Regents, members of Bail- Baylor delegation, the Texas legislator, and other Baylor leaders are actively engaged in conversations with our Big 12 colleagues and others to ensure our university is in the strongest position possible now and in the future. That's a legitimate statement. I wouldn't be waiting what waiting around for these yahoos to do what they're gonna do. You hear me? If yeah, if you were to take four teams into the Pac twelve to to jump it to sixteen, who would they be? From 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 where? Anywhere. Okay. Anywhere, but I would limit it to like independence and current Big Twelve. I don't see anybody leaving the Big Ten unless Nebraska is sick of getting pounded every year. Okay. Truthfully, I don't want any of the Big Twelve teams. I mean, what, who do you who who could you possibly want? That, uh, that, for the for for the fan base and energy alone, I would absolutely take um, both Iowa State and Oklahoma State. I think that those okay two those programs the, the, are the, the most fun yeah. and the best cities, and I would I would enjoy having them as part the, of what the, we do. Okay, so okay, I I will I will go with you there. That that those are. So I would add out of the independents, the only one that I would. Okay. Dream scenario. All right. Dream scenario. You add Iowa State, Oklahoma State, which even though neither one of them, particularly Oklahoma State, fits in the in in the Pac-12, like like they're going to be. Colorado all over again. Um, but okay, but those two and um actually all right. I'm gonna um yeah, I, I would take those two, Notre Dame and BYU, assuming that you could get um uh, assuming, um, you know, like that you could get around the religious restrictions. What, what would those be? The, 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 the religious re- restrictions. Yeah. Um, like, like you can't do stuff on Sundays, alcohol sales, you know, like people that they're going to be cool with you partnering with, like just just stuff that comes along with having BYU. Oh, so if if, if Barstool Sports app or 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 um, Klyavkov's relationship with MGM uh, would piss BYU off, that would be an issue. Of yes, like, uh, we got this, or even coffee. Official. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, the official coffee sponsor of the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean that LDS folks are are, are kind of hit and miss on that one, but I, I can understand institutionally. Yes, um, 
that they might not like. Like, hey, here's the uh, sponsorships from each of the seven deadly sins. You know, uh, I, I I could see how that could possibly create an issue. Yep. Baylor seems to be cool with it in the Big 12, though. Dude, Baylor, ba- Baylor has no right to speak up on on on, on <laughs> anything, dude. They covered up a player dying, rapes, and and everything else. Get they they have no moral ground to stand on. Oh, um, okay. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferreira, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The next thing up, Max Borgie, Washington State running back, has said that he would donate his cameo money from name, image, and likeness to the offensive line. Are you down with that? Yes. uh, I think it is a way to – I think it does a couple of things. It uh, puts him out in the news. We're talking about him right now. A couple articles have been written. A bunch of people retweeting it. So it increased the awareness of Max Borgie overall ahead of what could be an enormous year for him, assuming he has his head coach here in a couple weeks. Um, But I I think you and I are in agreement going into last year that we thought he was a top 10 player in the Pac-12. I definitely did anyway. And um, I... I feel like um, I feel like this will have an overall benefit, net benefit that will make up for any money that he actually spends on taking his offensive line 
out to eat because he's increased his overall awareness. And I think that he's extremely talented. Um, so I think that strategically this was great. And at the same time, practically it's very good because that's what we've seen the absolute least of as far as name image and likeness deals is there's not a lot of money flowing in for the big man, even on small sponsorship things here and there, it's all skill positions, mostly quarterbacks, um, running backs, uh, high profile defensive backs and stuff like that. So, um, I think it's the right thing to do. I think football guys love it. Um, I think you 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 hit a real red meat vein, and, and a lot of people retweeted it. And I think it, it. I mean, we're talking about it now, so I think obviously, just as far as brand awareness, he did something good. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that that was an absolute win, and I support it. Uh, the would next you have thing- done it? Yes. Assuming that I was a player that was going to be able to g- generate big money. Then yeah, yeah. Did you or, see? I, but but um, I would have tried to find ways to 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 make sure that my teammates were were eating as well. Did you see that I had put together a list of people who were affiliated with the state of Arizona and what their current cameo prices are? Did you see that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I run you through a couple of the prices and you tell me if you think it's overvalued or undervalued? Okay. Um, because I, I, I think, um, that, uh, this could be a decent source of income for some of the players. And I think we had actually looked it up and, and almost 50 people had, um, had actually, uh, purchased them within a week of it being allowed. And that wasn't necessarily, um, let's see. That wasn't necessarily all of the big money ones, but okay. So here we go. At the time that I wrote this, July 11th, which is a couple of weeks ago now, Spencer Rattler's cameo price was $177. What do you think of that? Uh, I think that the the, the uh, price that you should charge for for things is the maximum amount of money that people will will pay for it and then come back and buy another one. Okay. So in the, you, uh, Bajan Robinson who is a quiet, humble kid, starting running back, University of Texas, um, Heisman contender as a sophomore. Uh, This one kind of surprised me a little bit because he's kind of a quiet guy, but he set his at $155, which was the second highest of any college football player just behind Spencer Rattler. That's... Hmm. Well, that's the thing is, is that you also want to create a scarcity too, right? Because it's like, how many cameos do you really want to be doing? Because if you set the price too low, then everybody gets a cameo from you. Or do you, like, if you don't want to be doing a ton of them, then you set your price higher and then some people will get them and then it'll be even more exclusive. I suppose, I suppose you got to strike that line between exclusivity and, uh, and, and enough volume to make it worth your while. Correct. The cameo doesn't, you know, it doesn't take much time or energy. Um, the Cavender twins who are from Gilbert, Arizona and are, uh, basketball players on Fresno state's roster in order to get a cameo from both of them simultaneously, $75. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty girls signing a cameo. I mean, doing a cameo. It's not like, you know, like they have a big name. It's just the fact that they, you know, that that's more on their looks. Um, oh, what about Brendan Rice? Because I he wasn't a guy that used to like to trade on his last name. And I noticed in him, his cameo, he was like, hey, I'm Jerry Rice's kid. Sixty bucks. Yep. Um, dude. 
that's the least that his dad can do. For sure. <laughs> for not being around and not claiming him. Amen, man. Amen to that. Yep. And then your boy, Tyler Shuck, is charging 50 bucks a pop. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, he's like, hey, he needs to get all he can before the season starts. <laughs> you think you don't you don't think he's no, going to no, be that? No, no, dude? no, no. His price. It, it, the only thing that struggles with Tyler Shuck is his contact courage. If he can fix his contact courage, he's good. Well, uh, maybe you'll see the Red Raiders as members of the Pac-12. Would you take them? For for what? Like, what value do they have? Like, Lubbock is cool, but... Uh, effing up your defensive stats on the season? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you might as well add San Diego State. <laughs> I mean, at this point... They add no value, Ralph. <laughs> Um, well, right. at least stop playing them then. Stop scheduling San Diego right. State if they had no value because all they do is beat us up. Yep. Um, the next thing up is um, <clears throat> oh, is recruiting. Some teams are doing really well at recruiting, and some teams are doing very poorly at recruiting. You have Arizona and Jed Fish, who are bruh, they are killing it. They have a bunch of re- re- recruits. They have the quarterback from Los Alamitos. They have the um, – they may get the wide, wide receiver, T-Mac, from Servite. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. They have the quarterback not from Los Alamitos, from, from Servite. And then they may get their, their top wide receiver who could end up a five-star. Jeff Fish is doing his thing, dude. And I'm wondering, and while some other teams are not, so you can t- tell them about Arizona recruiting. How do you see it going? I think that um, it's a pleasant surprise, you know, that I'm affiliated with Rivals. So for just going off of Rivals numbers right now, University of Arizona is number two in the Pac-12 as far as overall recruits with 13. They trail Oregon, who has 16 recruits. Um, Rivals does not have the defensive back that they just pulled that 24-7 has as a four-star. They have him as a three-star. So right now, uh, Rivals is saying that University of Arizona has 13 commits, 11 are three-stars, two are two-stars. And so just for overall volume, that's really good. As far as in-state, they got Russell Davis II, whose father played in the NFL and and is kind of a big-name guy. Uh, down here, they they dipped into Saguaro High School to pick up um, uh, Tristan Monday, who is a, is a pretty big 6'3", 240 defensive end. They went all the way to Maine um, to get a tight end named Jermaine Wiggins Jr. They have Grayson Stowe. Wait, J- J- Jermaine Wiggins Jr.? That, I'm Jermaine assuming it's Jermaine Wiggins, Wiggins' son. Jr. It must be. It Yo, must be. I played with him in Jacksonville for, for a hot second. All right. Well, he I don't think he's probably living in Maine. It says that he goes to North Brigton. And if I'm remembering correctly in, in the stuff that I've covered, that's a prep school. Yeah. Um, so he's probably out at Brigton Academy. And I think it's a post-grad prep. So um, so they they pulled him. He's 6'4", 250. They pulled him out of Maine. Um, I don't know where he was before that. Let's see if I can find it. It says... Um, that he was in Massachusetts at Central Catholic, so um, out uh, out near Patriots Country. 
so so that's got to be kind of exciting for them, especially. I mean, maybe that was a relationship that um, that Jetfish kept up when he was out in New England. Who knows? Grayson Stovall is a big uh, big um, offensive lineman out of Hamilton High School. So again, really hitting the local stuff. And then they've got I think five six guys out of California and they were really struggling in California um, with Kevin Sumlin kind of being non-committal as to, you know, whether he was going to heavily recruit um, Texas or, or be in state or what, there was not really any direction to what someone was doing, even though he'd kind of started to pick up steam. And then you have to consider that not only do they have 13 commits in this class, but at one point and Jetfish didn't really have anything to do with it, but they did have Keon Grays who was a four star, maybe going on five star receiver that was committed to Ohio state. So there's some momentum going on in Tucson. There's some excitement. I think they're riding that wave of we're going to rebuild this. If you come here, you can play right away. We have a coach who's super active on social media. We have a young staff who gets it. Um, and they're all of the map. They got guys from Hawaii, Texas, Arizona, and, and California, and even out on the East Coast. So um, it, this is a pleasant surprise if you're a University of Arizona fan because I know that you know idiots like me laughed at the hire. And so far, it really feels like Jetfish is doing everything correctly. Um, what's got to be disappointing for some other schools in the Pac-12, uh, uh, the school I went to and the school that you went to included, is that USC is, um, despite recent results, not being all that great. And despite having a head coach that many believe, you know, they won't even really get going until they get rid of him. They got two five stars and four, four stars in this class already guys that uh, many other teams had, well, had thrown the kitchen sink at, including Michael Williams and Domani Jackson. Well, the, the, uh, a lot of people aren't sure the Mikael Williams will uh, stick, but, but if you look at all the rest of them, it's just a seven on seven team, dude. <laughs> they can't get any linemen. You can get all the, you can get all the fast guys and the wide, wide receivers that you want. If you can't block anybody up front, they're they're irrelevant, and and they can't get big time running backs right now either. Like well, that yeah, the running back thing makes plenty of sense, but you, they are also in a situation where in the last two recruiting classes, they took like 11 total offensive linemen. So Yeah, but they were all... None of those guys... If none of those guys are leveling up as far as their grade progression because of COVID, and I understand that that we're talking about, for the most part, a bunch of three-star guys and maybe Mason Murphy being the most talented Yeah, but you can't be doing the development thing at USC, right? You can if you get an extra year. They got an extra. They got a free year, so it's possible that it doesn't end up hurting them as badly. We shall. No, that's that's entirely possible. But we shall see. The next. But thing do you I, do you you think that they're not getting offensive linemen and they're trying? Yes, they're trying to get offensive line. They can't get them because because they're looking at the style of play and they're like, I can't go to the league like that. And and and, okay. and and I know Elijah Vera Vera Tucker just just did, but he had and Austin previous, Jackson. Yeah, but Austin Austin Jackson wasn't in this system, and Elijah Vera Tucker had put enough on film already that that they already knew what he could do. Because if you can't run block, you got nothing in the NFL. I mean, in a college football. Yeah, but do football. you really think that kids are that smart? Like, <laughs> like. You know, uh, Arizona State went around telling everybody like, yo, we just got two wide receivers drafted in the first round. 
back to back. Come here and we will put you in that situation. And the truth is they had just fired Charlie Fisher and Rob Likens. Yeah. Right. Like well, the guys that were actually in that in that position. Of course, USC is going to say we got two offensive linemen drafted first round. Yeah. But in the people teens, realize back the to truth. back years. They that, do they. Oh, OK. There is it. There is a There's a reason why Oregon is lining up defensive uh, off, offensive line commits. Five star from Texas. Uh, there's a there's a reason well, who's why. their lead recruiter george the lead recruiter is mario cristobal who's an offensive lineman like correct but he's he, he's he's out there living that life yeah but that's the yeah but they they see the way that they play football and linemen yeah. want to be a part of that and and they don't that, like yeah. usc style style of football that's why they're ha- it's the same reason why they can't recruit why why i'm sorry running backs right now they don't like the style of play that's the issue um, uh, okay, so some some other recruiting information. Um, I I do think that um, I do think that UCLA is doing better than than maybe people are getting them credit for, especially according to the way that they recruit. Uh, they've really been able to get a bunch of skill position players, um, two tight ends, two athletes, a running back, three wide receivers. Whereas, you know, we made fun of them last year for getting like nine linebackers or whatever. They also do have a couple in this class. They look like they're starting to figure it out. But are you concerned that UCLA and Arizona State are the only two teams in the Pac-12 that do not have a 2022 quarterback commit? No, no, because that's the same thing that I mean, well, UCLA, they don't need one. They just got two quarterbacks from from Washington. They got the kid that was there that started part of the year last year, and they got Dorian Thompson Robinson left. This isn't a so you like, think the transfers. So you think UCLA is actually like they don't they don't mind that they don't have a quarterback in, correct. in the upcoming class. Correct. Okay, so then let's talk about Arizona State then, because I'm looking at these guys that are committed. Um, to, and you they know, struck Justin out Martin. on a few guys. Uh, yeah, ju- that the, I know they went after Justin Martin, who committed to Cal. I Justin know that Martin they, actually low key potentially wants to go to UCLA. That was his dream school. I, I don't, I don't know whether he'll stay. He, I think he'll stay committed to Cal, but his dream school was UCLA, though. And then they finally offered him. Uh, I know ASU is in on Devin Brown, who is committed to USC. Yep. And Devin Brown's kind of been jumping up everybody's boards recently because um, of a really, really good performance um, at Elite 11. And he's just moved to Utah so that he can be close to his his brother and his brother can, can watch him play uh, football. But I know that ASU struck out on probably four or five of these quarterbacks that are committed to other Pac-12 schools, not to mention the quarterbacks that they went after that went elsewhere does asu have a cause for concern that they've actually been really chasing quarterbacks hard and they are alongside ucla as having zero 2022 pac 12 commitments dude arizona state should be concerned in general people are coming after larry turner gooden they are like they should be concerned majorly because we don't know what's going to happen with these allegations, what's going to come out, what's going to be levied, because there will be more bombs to drop as it relates to uh, them. So, yeah, th- this is going to be a recruiting cycle that's going to be in in flux. And Arizona State has told their current players that they are um, that if we if we win, nothing's going to happen to us. If we don't, 
then then we're going to get get punished. But um, but there's another school who's actually having a, an interesting time recruiting, and that's the University of Washington. They have eight commits and their fan base is not happy with Jimmy Lake's recruiting since he's been there. Are you surprised by his lack of being able to close the deal? I think the only concern that they should have right now is that Jimmy Lake's a defensive coach and that they're not recruiting very well on the defensive side of the ball. They got a promising defensive end and Lance Holesclaw committed for the 2022 class. But for the most part, the success that they're having is on the offensive side. They got the quarterback they wanted in Jackson Stratton. They got a, a, a kind of a skinnier tight end in Chance Bogan, but they always do a really good job of building up and converting these tight ends to have success in uh, in the Pac-12. But the two crown jewels of the 2022 class for them so far, Jeremy Bernard from Henderson, Nevada, who's a 6'3", 200-pound, four-star wide receiver who has been committed to them for um, about a year now. And the commit that they landed at the beginning of this month, Emeka Megwa out of Fort Worth, Texas, who is a giant six foot one, 225-pound running back. So I think they feel like they're stocking up on the offensive side of the ball. The place where I feel like they probably need to be concerned is Mario Cristobal, former offensive lineman, is doing a really good job at going out there and getting offensive linemen to come to Oregon. Well, Jimmy Lake uh, basically inherited this position from Chris Peterson because of his ability to build that defense, especially through recruiting. And now that he's in charge of everything, for some reason, the defensive part is falling off. And you have to look at the fact that University of Texas came in and outbid them for their defensive coordinator services. And, and it makes you wonder if that has something to do with it. But the proof will be in the pudding. Um, there's still a lot of really good defensive talent out there that remains uncommitted. If they can't land some of those going into the season, then I think that's when some of the fears of Washington fans will start to be justified. Oh, for, oh, 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 for sure. Yeah. If they can't close those, close those deals that they think are going to, cause they were like, yo, as soon, as soon as we get people on campus, all of that stuff. Yep. Um, so, but with, uh, as far as the recruiting rankings, because so much of it is kind of based on the amount of commits that you already have committed. So like according to rivals, the number 11 in the country right now is Boston college. And the number 13 is Rutgers. Well, they have 21 and 15 commits. The only one currently in the top 10 are your Oregon ducks. Um, and I think one of the things that based on the conversation that we led off this, this podcast with um, that should be very, very concerning is there are two big 12 teams in the top 15, but guess who they are? Oklahoma and Texas. Right. Right. There's only one other big 12 team in the top 20, and that's because they've pretty much filled out their entire class, and that's Baylor. Yep. With Iowa State coming in at 23. And so if the top team left over in your conference is at 18, and that's with a full class, so that's going to be weighted down really hard when some of these other schools come in and get some of the recruits that they've been waiting on, that's brutal. Because like USC is number 31 in the country right now, but they only have nine commits. They're the only team in the top 31 that has under 10. And yep. it's based on the the level of the kids that they're getting. Georgia is at number seven in the country, and they have 12. You know, Penn State's at number two because they have 21 kids. The overall star rating, and again, I'm talking about rivals, um, has, has USC at number three in the country. 
um, yeah. and Oregon at about 15 at three and a half stars per kid. So if you if you're looking at just average stars, then as an ASU fan, you can say, oh, we're top 20, but we're 59th overall because we only have seven commits. Yep. Yeah, so we will we will ultimately see how all of this plays out for them. And also, you guys send us your questions for Pac-12 Media Day that you guys want us to ask people to either to 818-293-7547 or I'm mad, I-M-M-A-D at unafraidshow.com. You guys, and that is the Pac-12 Apostles. We are back. Peace out. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.